Welcome the to double the double shot. shot. Oh. Oh. Thought, he, was I he going to give it to me or was he going to steal the spotlight from the pregnant lady? Well, you're half an hour <laughs> late to the recording. So, we, I mean, first of all, Jordan and I thought maybe baby had come. But uh, but no, then, then you're late. Dark. I thought I'll, I'll help her out. I'll do the introduction. She's arrived a little flustered. Immensely um, flustered. Anyway, you're here. Let me tell you, the, the to-do on maternity leave list is is banking up <laughs> to a point where I don't think I don't think three of those things are achievable on there. <laughs> well, my, most important question that I, I, I'm to ask is is the baby seat installed? Yes, as of as of last weekend. So what couple okay. of days ago. Yeah, it, it it's like it's weird. It it doesn't feel I don't know, you never feel like it's did you ever feel like it was a hundred percent secure? Well, I paid a professional like, oh. to to install it. Yeah. Apparently you don't need to do that, but anyway, I might be outing myself here. I earn on the side of caution. <laughs> it is, it no, isn't no, no. that we'll hard, We'll probably though. get it checked out. We'll probably get it checked out. Mm. It's it's a bit weird the first time you do it, but, yeah, nothing, I don't think anything is going to make it feel in absolute security. It's well, then, I've mate, never, never driven around with a, tr- a baby seat tr- that fits this tr- thumb size thing into it. It's like well, I'm try, looking at it going. Try driving home with it in the back. You, you'll be 20, 30 k's below the uh, speed limit. <laughs> it would be I've about never time driven so Dean, carefully. It would be about time Dean did 20 to 30 k's <laughs> below the speed limit. <laughs> or the speed limit, full stop. Anyway. Hey, uh, really interesting article during the week. There, There is a mm. uh, an employee of one of the big banks in America who's taken his company <laughs> to court over wrongful dismissal because he he dug his heels in the in the in the dirt about an expense claim. So ba- <laughs> basically he's been sent over to Amsterdam or so- somewhere over in Europe by mm. his American company. His girlfriend has gone with him and 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 they have said look you, you're allowed to spend a certain amount of money each day to to live and and eat and, and all that. And and then they've knocked his expense claim back because it looked as though he was just ordering for him and his partner, whereas they only agreed to, you know, provide reimbursement for his expenses. So it got me thinking, have you ever had to put in a little expense form and been <laughs> and been a bit nervous about yeah. whether it's gonna gonna go through? Yeah. Yes, I have, sir. Yes, I have. And um, the irony is I, I work in my family business, but um, we do have a, a few gatekeepers, which is, you know, why they're fantastic employees. But Long story short, Kaz, post, post-COVID in Melbourne, our staff got together and we booked um, Nobu, which is quite a fancy restaurant in South Bank there along the water, and we only had a two-hour booking. And, and during COVID, like the, the rules and regulations around this were like just unbearable. It's, it's hard to even think about looking back on that time. But long story short, there was absolutely nobody in the restaurant um, and the staff was so awesome. I think everyone was just happy to be out and about post-COVID and it, it ended up being not post-COVID. We ended up having another lockdown, you know, two weeks later. Long story short, they let us there for four hours and they even brought out like little limoncello shots afterwards. Japanese restaurant, what the hell, bringing out Italian limoncellos. And the staff were doing the most, anyway, blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I put a $100 tip on there, but the bill was like, the bill was like, yeah, very high. You sought reimbursement <laughs> for a hundred buck tip. Surely that I've got put, knocked back. I put the whole, yeah, it did. I put the whole thing in. 
<laughs> all the food and drinks and a hundred dollar tip, and uh, I got the the big cross, <laughs> the the big hell no on the tip. We'll, we'll reimburse the balance, but not the tip. And honestly, though, I was happy meal. to pay it. It was still <laughs> it was still a cheap meal, yeah, in my world, that's for sure. <laughs> but honestly, like it was so worth it, and um, uh, yeah, I did I did have to. Um, yeah, I did have to cower a little bit to that one and I did feel a little bit bad, but I did pay it myself in the end and, and, and quite frankly I was happy to. I feel like you wouldn't have any of those stories though where you've just pushed the you've pushed the reimbursement line a little bit hard, do you? Oh, look, look. It's a goody t- 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 Ten years ago I, I sought <laughs> clarification about about uh, <laughs> about one thing. So I didn't, I didn't go as far as putting it in, but I did sort of, you know, ask in roundabout terms what the policy was if you if you missed a flight and had to buy another one, oh. whether uh, whether whether you got reimbursed for for the flight. And I um, thought uh, I thought you might try to put that um, that red light camera fine that that infringement that you got on a on a work. No, I knew trip I couldn't get Melbourne away with that I, one time. I thought you might have tried to reimburse no, that. I knew I couldn't get away with that. <laughs> no, the, the the missed flight. I sort of wondered, you know, if it was traffic related, how. But no, it was a zero tolerance, uh, unfortunately. Ooh. So, oh, geez, there that you was go. about the only time I, I I tried it on, tried it on. But uh, geez, a, a dollar tip. I knew you'd have one. I I knew the moment <laughs> I sent that through, I knew you would have pushed the boundaries <laughs> and found your limit at some point. Yeah. Well, you know, if you'd clocked up all the things, cars that I haven't sought reimbursement for, it's probably far <laughs> in excess of a hundred dollars. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, good on you. Hey, uh, auctions. <laughs> I uh, thought you were just going to leave that there. Let's let's talk about auctions because uh, it was the biggest auction weekend since Easter oh. 2022 on the which, weekend. Which, um, which I can't find in the notes, but that's okay. I'll get to it in a moment. I actually went to three auctions on the weekend. Well, there you go. And, and, and no had, surprise because yeah. the, the Melbourne auctions, uh, by the by, were nearly triple what they were this time last year. 1,800 auctions that in just nuts. one weekend. I think last weekend by a comparison, because we had about 1,000, maybe maybe 1,100. Yeah, she's good. She's good. So, yeah, 1,100. So that's well, a big jump I... on last week and, and a massive jump on the same time last year. Out of curiosity, did the three auctions, um, they all get sold? No, two got passed in, zero bidders, people just salivating to be the first one to do the deal immediately once passed in. And one of them was my neighbour, was not happy about that. Mm. And um, and the one that sold was the one that I felt, you know, it was like, I don't know, a couple of suburbs away from me. I felt that um, may not on the day. It was, it was, the, it was the cheaper of the three, but... Um, yeah, it successfully sold. And then the other two got passed in and literally not even one one bid at the start. There you go. Bit of a lacklustre weekend. It was it's, it's strange. Well, but I think 60, Melbourne, 68% of homes did sell. Yeah. And 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 I think too, like Melbourne where I don't go to auctions enough to comment, right? And I, I look at those auction clearance rates every weekend and, and you know, 68%, 70%, it's very high, it's still a seller's market. Um, but I think what we're seeing in Melbourne is just people hoping, you know, no one wants to be the first one to make the first bid. And if you're seeing that no one else is doing it, I guess there's probably two or three registered bidders that are mm. waiting to try to do the deal of deals thereafter. And that's when mm. the hot competition starts. But it's, you know, it's more of a silent auction, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, six, the the headlines were 
listing, uh, you know, total auctions up and, and uh, you know, but basically market hits its ceiling type of thing, you know, typically negative. Yep. Uh, the reality is auction clearance rate at 68% to, to your earlier point, still prob- probably leaning towards the seller when you've got so many auctions by way of volume, um, nearly uh, three, what are we looking at? About 3,400 around Australia, whereas there was only... 19, 18, 1900 in the same weekend last year and mm. you've maintained a really solid uh, clearance rate. So I think, yeah, good to see some more listings coming about because I know that it has been very tough for buyers uh, out there. So hopefully it means there's some more uh, options mm. and, and, and um, you know, uh, scope for buyers to find can something. I, can I say none of them short of people. Like I'm, uh-huh. I'm talking each one had at least 50, 50 to 70 people at the auction. Obviously, wow. I wasn't entirely aware who were the registered bidders, um, but like they weren't all neighbours. Well, just and just to close out on that, by the way, uh, it was in the the uh, Sunday Mail in Queensland uh, mm. yesterday. The fact that there was 120 registered bidders, 120 registered bidders oh. on a on a house in Logan somewhere, which had been like totally totally ruined. Like the wall, holes in the walls, like a vandalist or something derelict. have gotten in there. It was a derelict home and there was 120 bidders. It was on sort of circa 600 square metres, four-bedroom home, and there was 120 bidders. It, it had had to go, so there was no reserve set. First bid was for $1 and I think it sold for maybe $450,000 in the end uh, by someone who's going to renovate it and, and rent it out. Renovate it? Renovate Get rid of that thing. 120 that bidders. Is wild, 120. I mean, you know what? If you know it's going to start at $1, why not register and just go along and see if you can get it for a, for a steal? Yeah. Might have done that myself. All right, Kazzy. So our uh, billionaire rich listers, the Atlassian boys, they've bought Loom. Did you know what Loom was before no, you read this article? Definitely not. Did you? <laughs> I wanted. I actually do. Or ah, I, I, how? Or I did. Loom is like a so well. I should say well, yeah, what's what on the what is it? Me. But also, how do you? How did you know? Mm. So um, it is a it's a software piece. So it's it's tech effectively mm-hmm. where you capture your screen, a short video of your screen, um, to basically demonstrate. You share that video and demonstrate to people what you're doing. So maybe if I was showing mm. you how to use Canva, for example, mm-hmm. might record my screen and, and me talking for 10 minutes and show mm-hmm. you, you know, how I work this design and whatever and I share it with you, mm-hmm. um, which no doubt through COVID and for all these tech hubs and companies yeah. that have a lot of their staff, if not all of their staff remote, mm-hmm. it's a really good way to be able to record what you do and and, and share it, I suppose, to, mm-hmm. to teach people. Um, I might, so I've used it I don't think I think I used it through COVID to navigate the the charity that I work with their their CRM. I was learning how to how to use that. But today you can just use Zoom and record your screen and, and yourself talking. So I'm not a hundred percent sure how they're better or they differentiate and, and how themselves did you, from how Zoom. How did you come across it? Um, like someone one, tell one you of about the board members in the charity that I'm part of. Yeah, she recorded herself using the CRM mm. to show me how to how to use it. Mm. Um, and that's how effectively how I learned to use it. She recorded a 15-minute video of her, her screen whilst talking, navigating, um, and it was a great way to learn. For whatever reason, we, we couldn't get on Zoom together. So what? there you go. So Atlassian, who are a tech company, have acknowledged that Loom is uh, going back gangbusters and, and they've gone and bought it. Yeah, big money. 975 mil. 
and US that's day. in US. Yeah, that's yeah. in US. Um, One point five billion dollars. Yeah, about 90, 90% of it in cash too. So the majority in, in cash. And I think it makes sense. I mean, as I understand it, what Atlassian do specialise in is a lot of the um, intercompany communication. They've got, yeah. um, is Slack one of their, I believe Slack might be one of their businesses. Um, I, I believe so. I believe uh, G- so. Gyra as well. So that, they've got a few businesses that, kind of, you know, ultimately serve as a, a way for companies to better communicate internally. Mm. So in that context, Loom does make a lot of sense. They've justified it. They said it was a pretty high price, but justified on the basis that they were going to be able to leverage some of their other businesses into Loom mm. and, and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting because I, I, I guess too, they're explaining that their software engineers can explain their code, which is totally, totally out of my world, right? But I suppose explaining that and, and the detail around their code and, and all that jazz loom is obviously the best. And I, I just like, I don't know if I make the assumption if it's correct or not, but surely like strong tech business recognizes strong tech business, right? Mm, mm. Like surely they go, yeah, this is worth it. Well, and, and 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 I guess maybe some some numbers for for context on that too. There's apparently two hundred thousand customers of Loom and twenty five million users. So there must be like a, a free version of Loom as well. Um, and and Atlassian only has two hundred sixty thousand customers. So it is a a sizable acquisition, which I'm mm-hmm. sure they've done the numbers to see how much um, kind of crossover there is, and there probably isn't a heap. So I guess they're thinking that you know they can. Yeah, push their different businesses into Loom, customers and vice versa. Um, but look, they they have two billion dollars of cash, Atlassian, so they're always going to do <laughs> something uh, in the way of getting that cash out there working for them. Well, I mean, they've acquired twenty companies since two thousand and two, um, which, like, I guess isn't isn't a whole lot. You know, it's almost one a year. It's one a year. Yeah, yeah, one a year for your troubles with your excess cash. Good on them. <laughs> They're likable, likable Aussie dudes who've done well. I like it. Yeah. What can we acquire one a year of, Kaz, and still come out with too much cash? Uh, pr- probably only a granny flat at this pace. <laughs> yes, you took the segue. <laughs> you took the segue. How, yeah, so I, I don't know if you – did you get this um, or from the big CoreLogic report that was released last yes. week where yes. um, CoreLogic have effectively gone and identified all of the – Suburbs in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, three key capital cities that have the highest potential for or highest granny flat potential. Yep. Now it doesn't I've I didn't go deep into it where I read the actual criteria, but it is a very interesting article. Because they've actually mm. gone as specific as suburbs and, mm-hmm. and how many properties in those suburbs are actually granny flat material. So that yeah, that, that they've um, specifically concluded that there is the capacity to build six hundred and fifty-five thousand granny flats Huge. throughout Australia um, as of immediately. right. As immediately, as of right, immediately. Um, <laughs> you know, but based on I th- what they've gone and done is looked at land sizes and the house size and and the percentage of site cover and figured out if if a granny flat technically could fit. So it's not not an exact science. Probably no. doesn't take into account slope and services and all the, exactly. the, the, the detail. But it's a, it's a great headline number. I like it. Um, uh, interestingly, Sydney, um, Sydney, they were saying that there's about 242,000 uh, possible 
granny flats. Melbourne, 230,000. So not, not a whole lot less than Sydney. Admittedly, Sydney has been building granny flats for probably five years now. So I did True. wonder if because they've already got quite a lot of granny flats already built, uh, whether that was a reason why, you know, relative a similar number to Melbourne. Uh, and then it sort of fell away from there. Uh, Castle Hill was the most uh, granny flat uh, granny ripe, flat ripe uh, <laughs> suburb in the whole of Australia with nearly 5,000 properties capable uh, of being uh, home to a granny flat, which was roughly 40% of all the properties in that suburb. Uh, Glen Waverley was the, the, the one in Melbourne uh, with mm. just over 4,000 properties or, or 27.5%. So it makes sense that they my understanding of Castle Hill and Glen Waverley and, and you can give more detail, bigger blocks of land. Typically, would that be right? Yeah. Um, well, definitely, definitely. Well, I mean, Castle in New South Wales, I don't, I don't know a whole lot about, but um, I think if I if I just think to my really basic knowledge, they're kind of like much older and more established uh, suburbs, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess looking back in in early two thousand, the average block of land in Australia was what a thousand square meters. Um, eleven hundred square meters thereabouts. So I suppose those more older established areas would typically have smaller homes on a bigger block of land. But it mm. also does depend, like you said, what what they've been able to do the last twenty years. Sydney, they have had a lot of granny flats or secondary auxiliary units as of right. Melbourne, really not so much at all. Mm. So now it's it's sort of Melbourne's opportunity to be able to utilize that land that they've got, which well, is really interesting. Core, core logic. Uh in producing the report, their conclusion was there's so much potential, but it won't just happen. The governments have got to provide incentives. And they cited uh, British Columbia, which is in this Canada. This was interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Montreal, for those not familiar, I think Montreal might be in, in um, British Columbia. In any mm-hmm. event, what the Canadian government has done is provided a $40,000 loan if you were to build a granny flat and rent it out. And after five years, if you've rented it out continuously for five years, they write the loan off. How crazy is that? I love it in the article. It said, after five years, if fully rented, the loan will be forgiven. (laughs) Yeah. We don't need it back. (laughs) That's amazing. I don't, I mean, what do I know? Not a lot. I just don't, I can't see our government just handing out $40,000 I don't know. It just seems it seems too good to be true is what I'm trying to say. Not sure if I got that Canadian, uh, Canada, British Columbia reference wrong too. So if I got that wrong and you're Canadian, I <laughs> seriously do apologise. I was talking off the cuff. What do you mean? I'm not sure if British Columbia is where Montreal is. Anyway. Oh, that's what you mean geographically. Yeah. Because I was going to say, the article does say $40,000 loan will be forgiven after five years. So I think you got that nailed. Yeah, but that's okay. right. You, mm. your, your geography might be a bit off. My geography, not a strong suit, no. Because, <laughs> sorry, I've, <laughs> I've tried to come out of my laughing fit, but um, I, I'm laughing because <laughs> geography's all wrong, but... <laughs> But, but the reality is, I, I don't know for a fact, and I wouldn't have said anything. Oh, I've been. To, you oh, went to the extent of saying that Montreal was. 
Whoa, sorry. I'm laughing. I can't get a hold of myself. They're literally, I think it's Canada is split in two. There's the British side and the French side. Montreal is oh. couldn't be more French. And I, <laughs> my brain has told me that British Columbia would be where the French capital is. <laughs> yeah. Look, oh, I mean, doofus. you know... There's probably a whole contingency of listeners that are like, we have no yeah. idea. And there's probably yeah. a small minority that are like, what are numbnuts? <laughs> and there's and the probably an even smaller minority that are listening that are from there. <laughs> so, the fa- the sorry, fact we're guys. going on about this too obviously shows that we don't really <laughs> take ourselves too seriously or do much editing as well. So there you go, guys. T- tend to try and do it in one cut. Where oh are we my going days. Next? Tell, tell us, are we, are we in a retail boom of some description? Are Aussies spending more? Um, theoretically, yes, because of inflation. Um, yeah. But are we? Yeah, well, retail sales. So, so interesting. I feel like retail sales is the, the true number that tells w- what is happening inside of the Aussie household. Because inflation, inflation um, yes. number one, when have we ever talked about inflation in our lives other than the last 12 months? It was never never brought up, <laughs> true, right? Whereas true, retail, true, retail true. sales, everything we buy is retail. Petrol, yeah, think, groceries, yeah. um, yes. any, anything, eating out. Gas. You know, everything Everything Sorry, we consume is retail. So I feel like yes. it gives a good idea on, on, on whether people are spending money. Retail sales are up by... Just under six and a half percent for the year, and, and up by nearly twenty percent since the pandemic, which I think is really interesting. Mm. Uh, it's it's pretty high number. Uh, would you would you be surprised by the fact that the average um, adult Australian spends twenty thousand dollars a year on retail? No. 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 Oh, look, I mean, JB surprised. Might, it- it feels a little bit on the higher side, but 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 not not entirely. I must say, I, I trawled through my tax numbers on on the weekend, and um, and mine is less than that. I will say that. Anyway, you, t- where James, I was going, are you surprised? <laughs> are you surprised by that number? Am, am I? No, no, not really. I, I think every household is different. Um, family households, uh, that, that, that's per adult Australian. So for a family household with two adults, you're spending 40000 th- I think that's ab- about right, uh, about right. The number that did surprise me though, the number that did surprise me was online sales. So online sales since the pandemic have doubled, mm. doubled to the point where we've gone from six just over 6.5% of uh, all, all retail sales happening online to about 15% today. I'm it's, say sorry, it's 11%. It peaked at 15%. That's the number that jumped out to me is that uh, 11% of all sales are done online and it's mm. double the number that was being transacted before the pandemic. It's it's done at a time that's convenient to you, right? Like there's definitely some things that I like I don't I don't honestly go to Woolworths or, or Coles much anymore. Like I'm a big click and collect gal mm-hmm. and it's more out of convenience because I don't know, I'm always rushing to or from work, you know, to or from home. Mm-hmm. So I still have gone the the click and collect method. Uh, because it's convenient and I'll do it after hours and then I'll, you know, sort of pencil it in to pick it up the next day. So I think it, it looks like a lot of people have sort of gone down that route as as well. 
I mean, the technology has gotten so good though, hasn't it? Like you, you mentioned, I've just said Air Jordans before. I bet you I get bombarded with Air Jordans on my like scrolling, you know, <laughs> on the phone. Like like they follow you and follow you and then and then at a weak moment you, you make the impulsive buy. Like the technology's gotten so good. You've <laughs> then got, you know, the, the, the digital wallets where yeah. that's fast-tracked how quick it is to pay for Ooh. a lot of stuff online as well. Do you, do you um, use buy Apple now, Pay? Pay later, all that sort of are thing. You, you're not on Apple Pay, are you? I've resisted <laughs> so far, but hand, hands mm. on it and I've yeah. bought some stuff on, on our, um, you know, shared accounts and everything and and it's so quick, right, with the digital wallet. Like it just go bang, so two clicks and you're there. If, if, the, if the merchant has Apple Pay and you're buying on your phone, it's like way too easy. It's way too good. I must say this is an absolute confession, but um, it was Halloween obviously this week, a couple of nights ago, and I've never, I've lived in the same place for eight years and I've never gotten on board with the poor kids in my street. And, you know, as a kid when I was growing up, I hated that person or that that house. I just thought so poorly of them. They never decorated. They never, you know, answered the doorbell when we, we, had, to tr- we had to trick them. We had no choice. We had to trick them. They never answered, you know. Anyway, I've been that Grinch the last seven years. I know, it's shocking. But Dingus, I left it too late to go to Woolies. I had to do Milk Run, which is the app that came back because Woolies bought them. Now they're I powered have. by Woolies Metro. And in, <laughs> I can't believe what I'm about to say, I spent $180 in candy. <laughs> oh my days. <laughs> in candy and decorations to be prepared for the kids. And how many and, kids turned um, up? Like, I had excess $40 candy left worth. over. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't even rationing it either. I was kind of just letting them go for it, but I had so much candy. Well, and tell, tell me they're all wrapped. Yes, of course. No, yeah. no, of course. I think yeah. that's where I got stung by Woolies. It was the wrapped candies. But Yeah, that's where they get anyway. you. Mm. But look, you know, I'm a, I'm a better neighbour for it. And uh, if, I, if I am glistening in the eyes of the children in my street, then that's pretty good because... That was a big coup when you were a kid and I was a kid growing up. They were the cool neighbours. And uh, another positive, you didn't have to clean egg off the front door. I, I actually wouldn't mind knowing though, like given you live with a dietitian who's also happens to be your wife just by chance, do you, are you allowed, like, are you allowed to get excess candies for the kids in your street and, and keep a few for yourself? Because that, that was actually my strategic move. I, I kept about 5% for myself. Well, I've actually stopped doing it because, uh, so I didn't do it this year because the last two years I've had a whole bucket full of candy ready to go yeah. and no one um, knocked on the door. <laughs> so no, I was a no, little Hannah bit uh, disenfranchised. Han set you up. She's put a little, a little sign out that you can't see in front of where they're po- saying, no candy, don't come in. I don't know. I don't know. I, anyway, no one knocked. No one knocked this I'm year surprised. either. We, we don't put decorations up or anything, though. So that's why you, the decorations are—they're the green light to come in. It's safe. I've got candy. That's yeah. how it And um, and that you'll be participating. <laughs> 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 My days. Or the or just the front light being switched on. You know, maybe you didn't have your light switched on, cuz. No. In any event, I I do enjoy a bit of Halloween. I'm not going to lie. And the candy that comes with it. So candy, well, it's all American. Yeah, I'm not buying into it, but uh, maybe that'll change when Davey's a little bit older. Candy. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. We're going to dress him up. That'll be so cute. Oh, my God. He's so cute. Oh, well, hopefully, uh, hey, hopefully I'll see you next week. 
Fingers crossed. No, no, I'll be here. I'll be here. I have a feeling that uh, my kid's going to be born in the, the week after the next. Call okay. it an intuition. Okay. Mother's intuition. <laughs> All right. Well, have a great week, guys, and uh, keep an eye out for the quick shots later in the week. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.